It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Time once again for Mariners Pod. Great to have you with us. Thanks for being here. I hope you had an okay weekend. Uh, the Mariners did, that's for sure. As the M's sweep aside the Texas Rangers, we have a lot to get to from the weekend, so we'll do that. Also coming up at the end of the podcast, Shannon Dreher, a great conversation with Andy McKay. Nice long conversation, and they talk a lot about what's going on t- in Tacoma. So that comes up in a few minutes. I think you'll enjoy that. Now, for on the field over the weekend, Texas came limping in after being destroyed in San Diego. I think uh, everyone knows about the Grand Slams and the controversy and everything else. So Texas comes rolling into Seattle, and the Mariners did not help the Rangers' cause. It started on Friday, game one of the series against the Rangers. And the Mariners put up some big numbers offensively in every game of the series, and... (laughs) Friday was no different as Kyle Lewis just continues his surge in the first half. Benjamin ready to deliver, swing and a fly ball, well hit, right center field. Going back, Heineman to the one, he tracked to the wall, and it is gone. Goodbye baseball, in and out of the seats, to the right of the batter's eye. Kyle Lewis with his sixth home run of the season. Holy smokes, this kid has been unbelievable. Halfway through the 2020 season, Another home run for Lewis, another run batted in. It's the Mariners five and the Rangers nothing. So Lewis lived on base, uh, picked up the hit there, walked a couple of times, scored three times, just living on base as the Mariners take game one of the series. So game two, another huge day offensively for the Mariners. They put 10 runs on the board. Lewis again. Three hits, goes three for three. Three runs, a couple of walks, was on base five times in the ball game. But the show was stolen by Evan White. One, two pitch. Swung on, driven deep to left. Got big time carry in there. It goes. A home run right under Edgar's. A three run jack by Evan White. And the Mariners have blown it open seven to one here against Texas. So White came up with a chance to break the RBI record held by. Alvin Davis, Mike Cameron, and Mike Blowers. He already had five RBIs in the game. His last AB came up with the bases loaded. If he had hit one out, he would have been the all-time single-game RBI champion in Seattle Mariners history. He didn't. He drove in a run, so still not bad. Two for five with six RBIs along the way. So big game for Evan White there. Not only on the offensive side, the pitching side as well, as Justice Sheffield continued to deal. Here's the stretch, and now the one-two pitch to Rep Snyder. Swing and a miss at a breaking ball down and in for strike three. Justice Sheffield strikes out the side here in the top of the fourth inning. He has four strikeouts along the way. So, yes, yeah, six innings, one run, one walk, and five strikeouts. His last three starts have been Excellent for the Mariners. Uh, you go back to the start before that, too, against the A's. He was good in that one. It doesn't look as good on paper as the last three. But how about this? His last three starts, 
18 innings, 16 strikeouts, two walks during that stretch. Opponents batting just 229 against him. He has been outstanding for the Mariners. During that time, too, just two earned runs in the 18 innings of work in the ERA of 1.00. So great work there by Justice Sheffield as he is really, really pitching well. And again, I'll point to the latest wheelhouse where Jerry DePoto gives a great breakdown of Justice Sheffield and what's working for him. But there's clearly been a lot working for him. So the Mariners go into yesterday with a chance for the sweep over the Texas Rangers, and they would get the sweep as Kyle Lewis again. Why not? Center fielder Kyle Lewis, Mr. Everything this year. Six home runs, 18 RBIs. Here's the pitch, swung on, belted deep to left field. Solak going back, looking up, and goodbye baseball. In and out of the Ranger bullpen and straight away left field. Kyle Lewis, the kid, does it again. There's home run number seven on the season, RBI number 19, and it gives the Mariners a 1-0 lead here in the bottom of the first inning. Holy smokes, what a first half for Kyle Lewis. So Lewis in the series ends up going five for nine, scored seven times, hit two home runs. He doubled. He walked four times. He had 556 in the series. I mean, just dominated the Texas Rangers in the three games. So Kyle Lewis with a monster series. And again, a big storyline was the pitching. This time, Justin Dunn. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss by Mathis for strike three, and that is strikeout number six for Dunn. Holy smokes, what an afternoon for the kid out of Freeport, New York. High hopes for this kid. You better believe it, Justin Dunn. So no question, the best start in the career for Justin Dunn so far. Six innings of one hit ball, did not allow a run. One walk and six punches along the way. Excellent start for Justin Dunn. Young players in this series really played well. I mean, detailed some of it with Evan White and Kyle Lewis and Sheffield and Dunn. Just really great to see. Hat tip to Sam Haggerty as well. He homered yesterday for the Mariners as uh, he's getting his first action over the weekend. But just uh, excellent three games for the Mariners as they sweep aside the Texas Rangers. Yesterday, a 4-1 to win over Texas. Why don't we hear from Scott Service after the game yesterday? Uh, talking about the win yesterday and the series. Great outing um, by Justin Dunn today. Uh, heck of a job. Didn't quite know what we were going to get. Um, certainly didn't know what we were going to get after he, he took the, the the line drive off the ribs over in, in L.A. here last time out. But uh, I thought his stuff was maybe as good as we've seen it uh, in quite some time. The first couple innings, I thought I had a lot of life to the fastball. Uh, you know, first three or four innings, really aggressive in the strike zone early in the count, which allowed his pitch count to to be relatively low. So uh, outstanding job by by him today. A really nice uh, bounce back. Um, and again, you know, uh, we run three days in a row. We run 24-year-old starters out there. And, you know, they all held their own. And it was great to see. Uh, so these guys are continuing to, to learn and get better. And, and the confidence is growing. And, you know, that's what this year is about. Again, uh, offensively today, uh, you know, the, the home run ball was our friend. Kyle Lewis right out of the shoot gets us going. Nola follows it up. Big home run by Hagerty to give us a little bit cushion later. So uh, quick, crisp game. Uh, not a lot of to talk about there offensively, but it was all about pitching today. And to give our bullpen a ton of credit, uh, last four, five games been really, really solid. Um, guys doing a, a nice job attacking, uh, finishing hitters off. 
and we're going to need that, you know, as we continue to go through the second half of the season. But the, the efficiency with Dunn, obviously important to get him deeper into games like he did, like he did today. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the key, winning that O count, uh, the 1-1 one, one counts. Um, again, uh, I thought his fastball, uh, the first couple innings, had a lot more life than we've seen recently. Uh, everybody knows he's got a really good breaking ball, but got to have something to go with it, and today he really did. Hey, Skip, you talked about this before, but the, just feeding off each other, and not just the pitchers, everybody, whether it's their competitiveness or their sharing information, how's that manifesting itself? Because it really seems like it is. We have a lot of young guys here that have played together. They haven't played at this level together, but they've played together quite a bit. And, uh, you know, so they do feed off each other. Um, it, it's a very close-knit group. Um, they enjoy coming to the ballpark. They work their tails off, and they all know that, you know, what they're up against as far as what the goals are this season and continue to get better and learn and get a better feeling for what the routine is going to be like at the big league level. And they're quickly learning that you need to produce here as well. And they are. Uh, so, and that's the goal this year. And uh, along the way, we're winning some ball games, which is really, really good for our clubhouse atmosphere. Yeah, we talk a lot of, a lot of these young guys, Austin Nola doesn't seem to get a lot of pub, but he's having a heck of a first half here. Awesome first half. Can't say enough about the job that Austin has done and the quality of the at-bat day in, day out. I mean, it really doesn't matter who's pitching. He's got a game plan for him. Uh, talked a few days ago about his preparation coming into games and how he gets ready uh, every day. And it's, it's very, very impressive. Put on top of that, what he's doing behind the plate, never caught this much in his life and helping the young pitching staff through uh, a lot of this stuff and carrying out game plans and his relationship with Pete Woodworth, our pitching coach, has really grown. So being able to relay, you know, information through Austin, he's helping guys play it out on the field. Very, very valuable, and just love the way, what he brings every day. And certainly, he's playing great. Scott, you talked about Taylor Williams before, but it seems like every time you run him out there, he gives you a pretty solid outing. You know, what do you, what do you kind of have in him as a guy you can rely on in the later innings? He's got two really good pitches, first of all. It starts there, and the ability to throw his slider really in any count is a separator. You know, it just doesn't have to rely on the fastball. He's probably throwing harder now than he probably has at any point in his career. And that's a credit to him. He made some adjustments when we were down um, during the, the pandemic time when, when that was baseball was shut down. When he came back to summer camp, he had a lot more life on the fastball. He had done something different mechanically. Put that along with a really good slider that you can throw in any count. You're going to have success you know, at this level. Um, I, I know he's trying to do a better job in those first pitch strikes. He's one of the guys that has struggled with it so far. But... He's got pitches to get back into counts, and a lot of it is he relies on that slider quite often. Talked about Haggerty before the game. I don't think we talked about his, his power. <laughs> he had a little pop on that. I think I mentioned before the game it was a lot of doubles, uh, but he got a ball down and in, kind of his sweet spot, and, and he hammered it. Big, big hit in the ball game. We didn't have a lot of hits today. That might have been one of the biggest ones. We need a little extra cushion there, really help our bullpen, um, you know, finish off the sweep and. You know, as we go through our schedule, you know, some teams are struggling. They get caught up with injuries. You catch somebody on a downturn. I'm really happy with how consistent we've been. And we've hung in there through some injuries, whether it's bullpen or you lose Dylan Moore for a little bit, Tom Murphy early on. Uh, we've really hung in there and been very consistent, I think. And hopefully that continues, you know, through the second half. I really believe it will um, as our bullpen continues to settle. It really keeps us in games and, and gives us a chance late in games to close people out. It was a pretty easy swing Kyle seemed to put on that, that ball that got out of here. And he probably could have had three hits today, it seemed like. 
Yeah, he could have had three hits. You're right, Greg. Uh, the line drive he hit there, second to last time up. Nice catch by the left fielder, and the, the last one off the pitcher's leg. So Kyle's seen the ball great. Um, it's very easy. He's not swinging hard. You can see it. Uh, his effort level is at a perfect, perfect spot right now, understanding where he's at, pitches he's looking for. Um, again, I hope we can keep him there all year. It's it's some kind of fun and to watch and just to see him mature and grow and the confidence and it's rubbing off on some other guys too, which is also a bonus. So off day today for the Mariners and things get pretty interesting. Uh, road trip to San Diego for three games. One of the most exciting teams in baseball. Uh, 6-10 start on Tuesday. Same with Wednesday, 6-10. And then some day action on Thursday at 4-10. Then just a quick drive to Anaheim for four games against the Angels who continue to struggle. And then back home against Oakland and Texas after that. So the Mariners will see Texas again in 10 days. And that's something to watch, I think, from the outside as uh, another team in the division to see what they do. Because it, Texas now, is, they've lost eight in a row. You know, San Diego really took it to them in a four-game sweep. The Mariners do the same in three. But get this now. Texas will face Oakland for four at home. They'll face the Dodgers at three for home after that. Then they hit the road Houston for three before they return to Seattle. So Oakland, Dodgers, Astros, their next 10 games after losing eight in a row. This is a really, really ugly stretch for the Texas Rangers. That is no fun at all. All right. So I guess when we talk next, it'll be Wednesday. So we'll talk after the first game of the San Diego series. I am anxious to see how that one plays out. No question. That is a really fun team to watch, and it will be interesting to see the Mariners go head-to-head with the Padres. So Shannon Dreyer caught up with Andy McKay over the weekend, and we will provide you with that conversation. It's really good. Here it is. I welcome in somebody I have wanted to talk to for a few weeks right now, uh, somebody who's got all the goods on what's going on down at the alternate site, Andy McKay. But, Andy, before I get to that, I was thinking of you last night, and that must have been a, a, a fun moment to see L.J. Newsom go out there and make his major league debut. And, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I, I kind of look at him as, like, one of the first. I remember, was he one of the first gas camp guys? He was, and he was one of the kids that was here, uh, I think, along with Braden Bishop, who were in the system when when I came in. So getting to see, you know, L.J.'s progression through the system and um, – and really do, to see him go out there last night in his major league debut and do exactly what he's been doing for, uh, you know, multiple years, which is just attack the strike zone and get ahead and counts. And, and he didn't flinch. And, you know, for him to, to do that and, you know, he's facing Mookie Betts and comes right after him. And uh, it was great to see. I was happy for him, happy for his family. And, you know, major league debuts, I don't think ever get old. So very excited for him last night. Yeah, a great, great moment. A lot of fun to see last night. We've seen a lot of those. Uh, I want to talk about the alternate site. We talk about it every day, uh, but we, we don't know much. Uh, I, we, we know everything that we can see and what we can hear, and we don't know about uh, the behind the scenes. But just tell people, what is a day in the life at the alternate site? What does that look like right now? We have a pretty standard schedule that we follow for the most part. There's kind of two different days. There's workout days, and then there are game days. You know, everybody gets in there somewhere in the ballpark of – 6.30 in the morning to 7. Uh, you know, we provide a breakfast for the players, and many of them come on the bus. Many of them have had their cars uh, shipped out at this point. And, 
you know, then we have a variety of things going on, you know, in the mornings, whether it's, uh, you know, the weight room for the players, the training room. Uh, we do, you know, hitters meetings, pitchers meetings. We've kind of started a, uh, a social justice initiative where we have once a week we have a conversation as a team around a, a specific topic and someone's in charge of presenting on that particular day. And then, you know, by, you know, 9, 30, 10, everybody's out on the field. Um, you know, we, we start our games at 11.40. And, you know, some type of workout, and we're usually out of there by about 2. So um, that's, that's kind of the gist of the day. Everyone is spread apart. You know, we take both club clubhouses over, and, um, you know, the pitchers do their thing, the hitters do their thing on, on those days. And, and then the game days are a little, you know, like a general day other than starting at 11.40. What is so unique about this is you've got players from just about every level there. What have you learned about having them all on the field trying to learn together and move forward together? That's a really great point, and we, we've talked about it a lot, that you know, all of a sudden you've got these players that have been in the big leagues or players that are going to the big leagues, players that would have been in AAA, and you're combining them with a Noel V. Marte who hasn't played outside of the Dominican Republic yet or a Zach Deloach or Caden Polkovich who just came out of the draft. And it's been really interesting to see how, you know, if you didn't know who was who, you wouldn't be able to tell that, that Deloach has never had a professional at bat yet. You would never, you'd never even dream that because he's, he's competing at the same level all these guys are. He's having plenty of success. And so the group is kind of, you know, blended together, and, and they, they've shown that they all deserve to be there. They, they show that they're all... Uh, players who will have the ability uh, and the skill level to go play at the major league level at some point, and so just being able to put that kind of talent together at, at one point, I think it's, I think it works both ways. I think the younger players learn a lot uh, from the older players, and I think the older players are kind of refreshed to see that that youthful enthusiasm, that that innocence of the of the younger player. So it, it's worked out to be a, a just a really unique experience. It's obviously nothing that any of us could have dreamed up, but. It's turned into a really exciting environment where uh, our players are getting better. What, are you, what were your goals coming in for these players, aside from we need to get them this many innings or this many at-bats? You know, there were multiple goals. I think, number one, certainly from a pitching standpoint, we're trying to keep guys healthy and understanding that we weren't going to be forced into uh, you know, pushing guys to pitch on any type of routine um, because of coming out of such a unique environment where – you know, you had the spring training, and then you had this huge layoff. And, and we've talked about this before, where everybody's layoff was different. You had, you know, a Logan Gilbert who's got a, a mound in his backyard, and you had a George Kirby who was basically in the, in the epicenter of New York um, and was basically quarantined. So everybody had different experiences and, and, and how prepared they were able to be when they came. So the goals were to keep people healthy. The goals were to give them as many uh, innings and at-bats as possible. The goals were to continue to educate around our dominate the zone um, uh, strategy, to teach our culture, uh, to implement all of the key focus points out of our uh, PD manual, and then just to help guys get better by executing their player plans as best as you can. And there are things that are that are easier to do in this environment, and there are things that are harder to do in this environment. So we're really trying to focus on the things that, that we can actually help our guys get better at. This is obviously something that is, is sadly necessary right now, but uh, you are getting the most out of it. I'm curious, is there something that you've seen and you've pointed to and you're like, you know what, I'm going to take that and I'm going to do that next year? Um, 
That's that's a that's a good question. I'm gonna have to think about that one. I'm gonna. I, I know the answer is yes. I don't know that I'm gonna come up with it uh, in this uh, short conversation, but still in development. I, I th- <laughs> no, no. I I think my, the biggest takeaway I've had that has kind of stuck with me is is the level, and knowing that okay, if if you know Zach Deloach is is more than competing against this pitching, where do we start him next year? Hmm. And it's made me really just wonder about uh, the the level that you play that you assign a player to, and and how hard that is to actually get it right sometimes, and and you know whether you move a guy up or move a guy down or where you start him, and just watching these young kids out of the draft come and compete, you know, with a Donnie Walton or um, you know a Sam Haggerty, it, it just becomes an interesting question to think about. Who have kind of been the leaders over there on the field? Lots of them, and. You know, we always joke, you, you, you've never heard a manager say, you know, well, we've got too much leadership and too much pitching on this team. <laughs> and, but we, we, we've seen the development of, of many of our guys uh, in terms of their leadership abilities and their styles and their, and their desire to actually lead. And, you know, Donnie Walton is, has always led from day one. He's a, he's a coach's son. And that's been really obvious even from day one of, of summer camp. But uh, Jared Kelnick has been... Uh, exceptional. He's uh, he's been challenged uh, to work on on leading people, and and he's embraced that, and he's learning how to do it, and and he's doing it quite well, um, because it, he's one of those kids that he doesn't ask anybody to do something that he's not already doing himself, and you know whether it's how he works in the weight room, or how he goes about his his stretching routines, or the intensity that he brings to a batting practice session, um, it, when he talks, people listen. And we talked about this earlier, even the older players, not only are they impressed with how he goes at it, but they're also willing to follow in, in, in many instances. So that's been great. Logan Gilbert during summer camp said one of the neatest things, and it was one of those moments where I had where I had to chuckle because he was talking about the younger players. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you're Logan Gilbert. But they were there. And the way that he was talking about them, it was a little bit that um, – it was a little bit of his responsibility to make sure that he sets a bit of an example, but also he was really excited because he looked to his left and he looked to his right, and he saw guys that could be in a rotation with him someday. And to hear that realization rather than I've just got to go out there and take care of my own business right now and, and whatnot, it, it was it was a really neat moment. Yeah, and there's a lot of perspective that, that comes from those moments. And like when you talk about Logan, at, uh, at one part of the day he feels uh, – you know, a, a responsibility to go about his business a certain way because he knows that, you know, George might be watching or Brandon might be watching and he's trying to hold a standard. And at the same time, he's learning from Marco or he's learning from Taiwan or he's learning from uh, Kendall Graveman. And, you know, one of the first things I asked him was, tell me something you've learned. And he said, uh, D. Gordon was on first base. He was there for about two pitches and he stole second base. And after the inning, he told me exactly how he did it and mm. how quickly he had timed me up and how quickly he knew how to steal second base off of me. And so most of our players are in that, that mode of where they're, they're teaching and they're also learning. And that really is a sweet spot for development, that you're able to be a mentor and a mentee at the same moment and at the same time. And, and Logan certainly uh, does that well. Can you look at something pitch-wise with Logan and say, hey, he's made pro- progress on this in the last month, or is it just a matter of continuing to, to get your innings and build? No, and, you know, we try to fight that with everybody that, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't care who it is, whether it's a, 
uh, a Marco Gonzalez or um, Kyle Lewis, who's obviously having success up here. Everybody's a work in progress. Everybody has to get better. Everybody has to keep working. And and with Logan, for example, we were talking about you know the most improved player, and I said, well, you might even be able to say that about Logan at times, which is hard to say based on how good he was. But you know he's he's really committed himself to a changeup, and on many days he's got four really you know above average pitches going right now. So the changeup has been a big development for him. But just learning how to pitch and learning how to manage a lineup and, and learning how to use his tools that he has, um, he's continued to get better. And most days he goes out there, you know, you walk away with a, a grin saying, you know, we, we've got something here. But just like with every prospect, in, until they do it and until they can do it on a consistent basis and stick, they're still prospects. You know, they're not established guys. And um, that's a huge hump for even the best players to get over. And, and Shannon, I know you've done it. You've done this long enough. There's there's a long list of, of great prospects that it didn't work for. Mm. And so you have to maintain that humility at all times of, um, you know, we're super excited, but we also know reality and we're going to keep our foot on the gas and, and, and make sure that our process is as tight as it can be because we know how hard it is. Speaking of humility, how's Julio Rodriguez doing? <laughs> Is, is that sarcasm? Is that a smile? I, it's with a smile. You know, yeah. I don't know if you ever saw. I did a video with him this year, and I sat him down, and he was wonderful, as he is. But one of the questions I had for him is, tell me something you're not good at. And I completely befuddled him. He yeah. couldn't do it. He, could, he doesn't think that way. He doesn't. And <laughs> it, it, it is a, it's a genuine confidence. He, uh, he's doing great. The, the cast is off. He's moving around. He's doing a lot of sprint work. He's doing a lot of mobility work. Um, you know, initially when the injury happened, I did not think we were going to see him at all this summer. But he will definitely get back on the field uh, before we leave. And, you know, we're hopeful right now that we'll have him ready to go and uh, that there'll be a, a Dominican Winter League that he'll get to play in, which will be a great experience for him. So, you know, the, the injury's been tough. Obviously, he's missed a lot of time now. But he's he's been there every day with a smile on his face and enjoying himself like he always does. And you know, he uh, he makes the environment good for everybody. And, um, you know, I, I think, I might be wrong on this, I think his last at bat before he got hit, before he got hurt, was a double off the center field wall off mm. of Graveman. Mm. And um, even after that bat, he's at second base, and him and Graveman mm-hmm. are having a great yeah. running back and forth yeah. uh, on the mound. And uh, he's a confident kid, but he's a wonderful kid. And he really does combine that confidence and humility. I know you said it jokingly, but, you know, he, he's a very confident person, but he's also very concerned about other people. And he's very focused on having a positive impact on his teammates. And uh, he's not somebody who just thinks about himself. He, he values himself. Um, he, he knows he's good, but he also knows he's part of a group of people. And he, he's really just a joy to be around. Yeah, we got that firsthand down in spring training. We've just got a couple of minutes left here with Andy McKay. And uh, just a, a quick one and then a, a final one. Uh, what did that Austin Shenton home run look like to you? <laughs> it keeps coming up. It's the legend, and the legend that keeps growing, but this legend's actually true. <laughs> and since I've been here, I guess this would be my fifth year, you know, the you hear the stories. It's, it's nobody can hit a ball over the wall in Tacoma. And, <clears throat> you know, you hear these stories about these ballparks, and most of the stories aren't real, you know the spot where somebody hit a baseball. He didn't actually hit it there. But um, in this particular situation, to my understanding, it had been done two or three times um, through the years. And 
you know, early on when we had Tyler O'Neill there, mm. you know, he couldn't come close. And I never saw him come close. I saw Zanino there quite a bit, even in batting practice, never come close. So it was by far and away the farthest ball I've ever seen hit there. And also the first time I've ever seen anybody go over the fence. I mean, go over the center field uh, batter's eye. And there's a 98-mile-an-hour 3-0 fastball from George Kirby. So um, this one's true, and it's, on, it's caught on video. So he'll have that forever. And it's a really cool moment because he grew up in, in Seattle as a huge Mariners fan going to – uh, Mariners games and Rainier games so um, you know he's another kid who has quietly had a really good summer and has uh, has shown us that you know he, he's right there with all these other guys in his mind and, and he does it on many days. A great kid too. We've just got about 45 seconds left here. Uh, you who's get give somebody some love who who is kind of really who I know we're missing a bunch right now yeah, but we're missing a bunch a whole bunch. I, I would say the entire group down there this is a tough situation, as you know. COVID is is hard on everybody in the, in the world right now. You know, we're, we're all hung over from it. We're all dealing with low-level depression, or in some cases, I guess, high-level depression. But between our coaches, our staff, our front office people, we have really had a good summer down there. And the credit goes to everybody for, you know, doing their part to make sure that the environment stays positive and stays fresh and stays exciting. And um, it, we've had a great summer in, in a very, very difficult um environment so Andy we will do this again I can't wait to get down there and see it myself thank you so much thanks Shannon thanks for having me on okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.